We've done one through six. Today we're going for some new blood with part seven. I have to say, I was very excited to watch this movie and I had such a good feeling after watching part six because I enjoyed part six so much. But anytime, in my experience, anything something's called new beginning, new blood, new anything, usually doesn't work out well in my favor in terms of a quality movie. But to be fair, this movie has better quality than a new beginning. Well, the bar was very low with that, though. I don't know <laughs> if that's saying much of anything. I mean, me and you in the backyard uh, filming a, ra- a raccoon running down a tree would have been an improvement more entertaining than New Beginning. So, part seven, I want to give some quick background before we dive into the details and the theories, because this one, folks, is going to have quite a bit of details and quite a bit so of theories. So, it was originally supposed to be Jason versus Carrie. The most original, original, original idea initially. This was when they first, for the first time, really seriously pursued the idea of Freddy versus Jason. They called up New Line, they wanted to do it, but the problem was both studios couldn't come to an agreement because one of them wanted to borrow the other's character and distribute it. And not really, so it was like, was it going to be a New Line movie or a Paramount movie? They wanted to license out the character, but then keep the overall right. So they couldn't come to an agreement. So it didn't happen. So, but this was the first time that they. This is the first rumblings of a potential Freddy vs. Jason. When that didn't work out, then somehow that turned into Carrie versus Jason. But of course, Carrie is a Stephen King book. They don't have the rights for that. So we just have fake Carrie versus. Jason. You do know that they actually did approach Stephen King for that. And I'm sure he said no. The reason he said no is because it would not make sense for his character, Carrie. Well, Carrie actually died in the movie Carrie. But not only that, but technically this movie, because Carrie dies in the Carrie movie, this movie would have had to take place before the Carrie movie, in which case still wouldn't make sense because Carrie didn't even know she had powers until until the damn movie. There, there's no way to make that. There's no way to make that make sense. And to be honest, See, I'm I'm okay with them just basically saying, hey, we don't need the actual character Carrie. We can just create Tina. And give her all of Carrie's qualities. and You know the problem is? Carrie was an actual entertaining character to see grow in a sense. Sure. Tina is not. Well, because there's no growth. <laughs> she's the same character in the movie that she's in the movie. Now, actually, what's funny is that they said the casting director basically cast the actress who played Tina. Carrie was played by Sissy Spacek. Mm-hmm. So if you'll notice, Tina actually looks like Sissy Spacek a little bit. and they Not ca- at all. If you pull up a picture of both of them, they look very similar. They do not. Anyways, so the girl played Paul in part six, auditioned for Tina, and almost got the role. <laughs> but while she was auditioning, the movie was under a title of Birthday Bash. So she didn't know she was auditioning for another Friday 30 movie. <laughs> so, she got, so the director liked her, and she was like, oh, I got the role. And then when she found out she had to come clean, he'd be like, oh, you know, I was in the last one, you know, I was Paula. And then they couldn't cast her because, like, well, okay, you can't come back and be a, a new character in the next sequel. After because you one. fucking died. Not only that, because it's called Birthday Bash. Also, one of the characters from part two also almost got the role of Tina Hare. <laughs> Again, he has Jenny? I don't, they didn't say which that actress That would be hilarious if Jenny comes back with powers. Oh, this is the problem when you have like a, a fake title for the movie during filming. This is called Birthday Bash. Mm-hmm. So eventually they settled on Laura, Laura Park Lincoln. Don't look at me. I just know the character's name. Lincoln Park. What Why are you generation? looking at me like that? She's 
is in a critically acclaimed. Somebody on YouTube liked her. Name one movie. Friday Thirty Part Seven. Name another that doesn't that does not pertain to this movie. The fan film sequel filmed for YouTube that came out a couple months ago. Seriously? Yeah, they brought back her and also the doctor. How they bring back a dead man? Well, she he comes back <laughs> in her imagination. He's dream guy, so he's ghost guy. He's Billy Lewis. Um, excuse me. I'm gonna shove my face in that fan right now. Anyone who catches the reference, congratulations. Let's first establish a timeline because we know that the one good thing about Friday the 13th is that it's super reliable and consistent with its timelines, its continuity. Each sequel perfectly picks up where the last one left off and gives us a perfect roadmap to figure out the timeline. Part seven, we know Jason's still at the bottom of the lake. So I kind of have a, a, a sketch of the timeline here. So the first movie takes place in 1979. Yes. We know that. Cool. Parts two, three, and four are five years later in 1984. Allegedly, yes. Because they even say in the, in the second movie, five years ago, yada, yada happened. And then people started dying. But two, three, and four all take place within the span of at most a week. I think we established that a week is probably the most we could say, yeah. Yeah, so, and then part six. What happened to part five? Fuck you. Part Um, five is gone from the canon. We're going from part four to six. So, part six takes place five years after part four. Assuming Tommy's 18. Yeah, because what? Tommy was 13 in the original, in that, and what I've read online, Tommy's character, obviously Tom Matthews was probably a little older. 28. Yeah. But the character himself was supposed to be 18. I buy it. And then, so here's where we're at part seven-wise. Um, I am putting this at either 1996 or 1997. Wait a minute. Do you mean, we're talking about, first of all, Tina as a kid first, though. Well, Tina as a kid, I shall put it at 1990. So at earliest. So you're saying basically a year after part six. Yes. At earliest. Okay. Because you do, because obviously it can't be right after, because now instead of a campground there, it's a house. Right. And Jason is in the bottom. He's chained up, so he cannot be brushed away through the currents. And they've changed the name back to Camp Crystal Lake, which I can't figure out any reason why that would take place. Because it sparkles in the moonlight. Okay. It's like crystal. Okay. Because... The whole point of part six was they changed the camp forest green because the sheriff in part six even said, nobody wants to run or Jason. The town wants to forget about it. Which is So weird one year later, you can't do that and then go straight back to Crystal well, Lake. It's also weird considering the fact that in later movies, we kind of find out that the town is selling Jason masks. Uh, supposedly, we think so, yeah. So the, <laughs> so the problem is that in part six, the characters are self-aware. They know that. They know about the history of Crystal Lake. They know about Jason. The camp counselors talk about it. In part seven, we're going to reset, though, and go back to everybody's oblivious to Jason except the doctor, I guess? Yes. Okay. Tina Kills her dad. Wrongfully so. I mean... Kills her abusive dad. And immediately within the same scene, immediately regrets it. He did. And be be honest, you say she kind of looks like Sissy Spex. Obviously not this little kid, but the older Tina. 
She looks does. like Sissy Spacek. Absolutely. Me, she looks more like the kid from Village of the Damned. She looks like her too. <laughs> well, young Tina, hundred percent looks like Village of the Damned. <laughs> that she might have be. This might be a spinoff we don't know about. For sure. Right, because um, she has that pitch white hair. Honestly, the that the eyes. And what's bad is I never saw the movie. I've never actually seen Village of the Damned. I just remember the really. Poster. I just know the poster. You know, it's actually a John Carpenter movie. You should watch that. Um, well, you're more of the John Carpenter fan than me. This fight that her father and mom are having at the beginning. He slaps her. He slaps her, but based on the rest of the movie, it doesn't seem like he's a serial abuser or that he's such a bad guy. Well, it, it's really hard considering the fact that, because, yeah, the whole movie, these two miss the man and all this, but yet, why would Tina go to I hate you just from one little event? It had to have been something, because even the mom is saying, I thought you said you're going to quit drinking. Oh, no. Tina was pissed off as a kid because whatever she did there, that was definitely built up. It's yeah. like, it seemed like that was everything coming to a head. Maybe this is number four or five. But she regrets the killing so much that it makes me think he had some redeeming quality about him. Otherwise, why would she be like, oh, my God, I killed my father? If he was like the worst father ever, then. I got an idea. Or maybe he was a great father, but just a terrible husband. I, I know what it we is. We don't know well, if he abused Tina. Well, that is fair, but I, I think I know what it is. Stockholm Syndrome. Go ahead and, and, and tell me what, what it is. Stockholm Syndrome is when you kidnap someone and that person actually starts developing feelings for the kidnapper to the point where they actually love them and will not want to escape the abuse. The problem is... Why do you think the mom actually loved the man? Because the man kidnapped her and has had her for so long that she fell in love with this guy... And then, no matter what he does, she always sees him as the perfect person. Even though, clearly, he was not. He definitely was not. So that means the father is more of a villain than Jason. I don't know. I mean, That's why the father is able to kill Jason. To say he deserves death? I don't know. You're right. If he's an abusive father or abusive husband, Probably then... more husband than father, because if Tina actually does care about him... Then he probably never touched her. Her reaction for the rest of the movie makes me feel like almost like this opening should have been him being a little bit more innocently killed, not him almost deserving to die, but almost <laughs> like she just accidentally doesn't know her own power and just happens to kill him. Yeah, that, then that would make some sense. Her guilt and everything makes a lot more sense. But they paint him as a bad guy, and then from the audience perspective, you're right, you're just like, oh, maybe he had it coming. <laughs> and that doesn't work with how she feels for the rest of the movie. Even though, yes, I mean, he's still her father, so it's, there's going to be, like, a feeling. And also, we do get one throwaway line of her, of the mother saying, I thought you said you were going to quit drinking, which tells me when he's drunk, he gets abusive. 12 steps means 12 feet below the water, so. <laughs> how can that be 12 feet below the water? It's literally right off the coast of the fucking water. This is, what, this is actually what I want to ask you also. <laughs> the point where he goes in the water is right at the dock, right? Right. That's like three feet in the water. I don't understand. How did he drown? How did no one think, oh, well, I can see how he drowned. You know, the thing the fell, thing on, top fell on top of him. So it would keep him down. But why did no one think, oh, let's get down there real quick and pull it off? Well, there's a huge problem that goes back to part six that will keep happening in these movies. And it's that it's the authorities apparently never check the water. Do not want to check the water. <laughs> if they went down there after this moment, they'd find him and Jason both chilling down there and recover mm -hmm. both bodies but the authorities 
the mom and the daughter don't think to tell the police, hey, get his body? <laughs> I, what? Maybe they got his body. I don't know. We'll, There's no way because we'll, we'll see why he did, they did not get his body at the end. But I do have characters to note now that we're finally done talking about the opening. So characters of note. I'm just going to name them all off so I don't have to worry about introducing them later. You got Tina. Oh, we already talked about her. Nick, the soon-to-be boyfriend. Mrs. Shepherd. You went to Crystal Lake? You son of a bitch. You didn't mm-hmm. tell me? Yeah. Mrs. Shepard. Dr. Cruz. Melissa, Robin, David, Eddie, Sandra, Maddie, Russell, Ben, Kate, and Jason. Woo! There's a big body count in this movie. Well, I mean, Jason is not the body. Them kids gonna die. <laughs> Tina's coming back to the lake because Dr. Cruz thinks that it's... A fun thing to do to revisit your past and get over your demons, although he may have ulterior motives. Yeah, but at least this doctor uh, pretty much kidnaps Tina into doing this, whereas Alice was coerced and That's just did true. it her damn self. Well, you also have to put some blame on the mother because the mother is kind of going with whatever t- Dr. Cruz is saying. She's still probably the legal guardian and is yeah, letting all this happen. Yeah, at the same happen. time, she's not going there because of a serial killer trying to kill her. She's going there because she killed her dad. So there is a difference on why they're going back. Well, you have to wonder if Tina even knows about Jason at all. She doesn't. Has she heard of him? She most likely not. Which because is very, she, very weird. They, she never even says his name until, what, how long into the movie when she finally sees the newspaper clippings? The worst thing about her dad wasn't the abuse. It was that he had them living at a house in Crystal Lake after the events of Part 6. Our, and I know why. Because so many murders took place on that land in that area. That house was probably only $1. Wow. Well, okay, so he was a smart financial father, but still put his family in danger dramatically. Either way. Because as soon as Tina went swimming down that lake, she was probably going to see Jason actually bring him back to life as a kid. Hey, we're not at part eight yet. Let's save that for later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so so these dumb kids who've never heard of Jason, these teens, are coming to party, party like it's 1999 because it's probably 1999. Either way. Even though it still looks like this is the 80s. <laughs> By all intents and purposes, what I'm seeing appears to be 1988 when this movie came out. Tina revives Jason because she thinks it's her father. Now, I'm, I hope she doesn't think it's her father when she first sees him, when he actually comes out of the water. Well, her father would have gained a lot of muscle mass, <laughs> and also her father would have... Gotten a hockey mask. And if you see the back of him, it's all bones and... I mean, with how long he's been in the water, I'm surprised his whole body ain't all bones. Jason's look as he gets out the water is amazing. (laughs) The makeup effects guy, when they cut to the back of his body, that looks incredible. They should have kept that for all the future movies. Looks like his insides are eating themselves out, basically, from the inside. So, So, you know, um, so somebody did a study on this. Uh, So, you know how when you're in water for a long period of time, your fingers get all pruney? That's what happens to me when I go in the water for a very long period of time. Yes. Yeah, so anyway. I don't swim, but. If you are actually in the water nonstop for over a year, your skin can actually just fall right off your bones. Mm. Kind of melts right away. That's what happened to Jason, it seems like. Yeah, but the problem is he still has most of his fucking skin. Yeah, true. He should be nothing but bones right now. I, once upon a time in the last podcast, I blamed... Tommy Jarvis in part six for bringing Jason back to life and thus dooming several hundreds and thousands of future victims. But Tommy fixed his own thing by the end of part six, had Jason back at the bottom of the lake. For over seven years. And here comes Tina 
with her psychic telekinetic powers bringing him back to life. If she doesn't do that, Jason's at the bottom of the lake for the rest of eternity. But don't worry, there's there's someone else to blame at in part eight. Yeah, no, no, but I know, but no, but but in terms of part seven, all these future characters' deaths, Tina has some liability here. That's what also I'm speaking of speaking of me, I decided to invite Tina to apparently my cousin's birthday named Michael. But he he's not really in this friendship group. He's just there, and it's really well, weird. Well, because it's his cousin, he even says in another throwaway line. I'm not friends with any of them. So why do you, why did he come with them? Why didn't he drive there by himself then? Who says he didn't? He showed they showed him get out the car with the rest of them. So he shows up with them as if he's part of the group, but he's clearly not. None of them are really part of the group. They're they're only there because they all know this one character. No, that's a bad excuse. This movie, you know, I always there have, is no way all these people are friends. You and I always analyze exactly that. Does this friendship group make any sense? And no, these are all completely different people. Unless it's uh, the guy who's the birthday for, he must be the most likable social person ever because he's attracted every single character from a different walk of life. Um, the two girls are supposedly friends. They end up fighting over the one guy. The one guy doesn't really communicate with anybody. Everybody hates Melissa. Melissa hates everybody. Well, the one uh, geeky sci-fi guy, he has no place here at all. He's just completely out of the blue hair. I get the feeling Michael is a D&D player, and that's where he met the geeky sci-fi guy. Jane's death first, because Jane and Michael are the first two to die. Well, I mean, hey, happy birthday, Seth. Yeah, uh, Jane is stabbed in the back of her neck. And then Michael's death, he was just stabbed in the back. So apparently Jason doesn't give a shit about front more kill, uh, full frontal kills anymore. These first couple kills weren't too original, and they were very telegraphed. I don't know why. There's a thing where when Jason kills people in this movie, before the death, they show him walking up on them. So it's never like a surprise kill. It's like him walking up, and they show it, and then they have him That's kill because him. you don't need to hide Jason. Everyone knows him. No, but there's a surprise element of deaths that always make them cooler. Like when like an axe flies out of nowhere, or like you don't know what, like a, a jump kill type death. So you know what? Another thing I've noticed. You know how everyone says Jason's main weapon is machete? Not in this movie. He fucking uses an axe in most movies, but I've only seen a machete kill maybe three or four times in the whole series. And there's a... <laughs> what's funny is, I swear, I always thought growing up that his main thing was a chainsaw. <laughs> this mofo never uses a chainsaw. So, I know why. There is actually a movie called Bloody Murder. Oh, yeah. And it is literally a man with a hockey mask killing people with a chainsaw. How did they not get sued? It looked like Jason was on the cover. How the hell they avoid a lawsuit? The story's completely different, character's name was completely different, and the mask was different. But the hockey mask has to be trademarked or copyrighted, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, that particular hockey mask, they use a different one. There's uh, multiple different hockey masks, my guy. That's the most obvious Jason Ripoff you could ever have done, though. And they made technically three of them, even though oh. the third one has nothing to do with anything. I'm curious to actually watch it. I heard, from what I understand, the first two movies are pretty decent. The third one, because it has nothing to do with the actual story. But that's 100% not the reason why I thought that he had a chainsaw. In pop culture, like in the 80s and 90s, there was something about a mask with a chainsaw. I think they were confusing. They were were like combining Jason with Leatherface into one thing, apparently. But all that said, you're right. Machete's his go-to, but he likes the axe a lot also. Machete is not even his go-to. The axe is. 
How many times have you literally seen him kill somebody with a machete? Well, in the first few movies, I, I would say machete machete was more common. But zombie Jason from Part Six on doesn't really care about the machete. Two times, two fucking times he used machete in the first four movies. You serious? Yeah. Damn. He's either used a damn butcher knife, like, or not a butcher's knife, a chef's knife, like Michael. Technically, he was supposed to be a Michael ripoff, or an axe. I always thought of Jason though as somebody who just like, whatever's close he uses. He doesn't have any preference. Well, just yeah, like... but they still show him with a machete as if that's his go. As if he, he always shows him at least once in a movie, but sometimes he doesn't even use it. I think some of it's because in part four, the whole chasing then is him with machete, and then remember Crispin Glover's death, the machete in the face. Mm, yeah, that was pretty. But I think that was the only mache- uh, mach- machete death in that whole movie. Yeah, I mean, unless you count Jason, but well, to be fair though, the movies would be more boring if you use the same weapon every time. What, how, what, how much can you do with a machete before it gets boring? So look at Scream. Yeah, those deaths are boring because you have a, a guy with a knife. Yeah, everyone still seems to like it. At look a, at Michael Myers. At a certain point, you do want to see Ghostface throw a fucking axe or something. Look at Michael Myers. Name one time he's he's actually changed from a knife. He's either used his knife or his bare hand. Yeah, I was saying. It's different because he has superhuman strength too, so he can like crush your cranium inside. No, right, but still, Michael Myers is either using a knife or his bare hands. Have you actually seen him use anything else? I think I feel like the movie had enough of a body count with the, the later deaths, but they really forced like in the first half an hour. There's a lot of forced like unknown, unknown, unknown characters who die suddenly. Like those like are not Dan fun. and Judy. Yeah, again, who the hell are these motherfuckers? Uh, Dan gets punched through the punched through and neck snapped. And Judy's uh, smashed against a tree, which becomes kind of iconic, especially when you find out what the original death was supposed to be. Well, have you seen the uncut version of that? Because in the uncut version, it's multiple whacks against a tree. Yeah, so that was so that had to be cut down to just the one because it would have gotten an X rating going into the theaters. Because basically, with the multiple hits. When they finally cut to her body, it's she looks like dismembered. And, yeah. I don't know if that would happen with one hit against a tree. So. That's why when she comes out of the tree, she just has a bloody head. It was almost better in Jason X because they did like the multiple, multiple hits. Yeah, but they also did it in a comedic style so that way it didn't have to technically face an X rating. It's an iconic kill because, like I said, we've never seen that before. Someone picking up a body bag and just hitting that shit against a tree. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Uh, and also, around this time... Is where Melissa gets classified as the bitch. You know, in the later sequels, they really force this thing about having Jason and then a human villain, or even two human villains. I'm about to say, this one has two. You got Melissa, and you got Dr. Cruz. Even though, I guess we'll go through Dr. Cruz later. You didn't need that in the earlier movies, because in the early movies, Jason was the villain. You had likable characters. I think by this time, they're figuring that... Half the audience is cheering for Jason, <laughs> so you actually need like another villain that the, everybody actually hates. In this one, it's Melissa, and should we bring up the small little controversy so everyone stops saying this woman is dead? I don't know the truth. Until I see a picture of her in today's world, I can't believe she is not dead. She is literally sixty-nine years old, living in California. Can you can you pull up a picture? The reason Crystal Lake Memories says she was dead is because. A woman with the same name and same almost cause of death actually did die with the same name. Her name was Susan Sullivan, 
And I think, I, was, yeah. And hey, look, I'm yeah. on board with like I'm, I'm hoping she is alive. She is. It was depressing to think that she had died, but I would just love to see one interview, something confirming a picture of her, something. There was. Is she that hidden away that so she refuses to do any press for the whole series? So originally she. There was a picture, but it was leaked out, and she actually sued the person who leaked it. It's crazy because almost all the actors and actresses from the series, they've done the cons, and they wanted to get out of the life. They participate in the documentaries and everything. So, so another the reason you don't really see anything of her is because she wanted to get out of that life. And believe it or not, even though that breast cancer she battled almost took her, she kind of likes the fact that happened because then got her out of the limelight. I, I get it, but to me, I would think that if she came out and like said did an interview, right? I would think it would literally be nothing but positive because pretty much everybody would be happy to see her. Friday Thirteenth fans giving her a lot of love and saying, "Hey, we loved your performance." It's hard to see any negative about well, if I remember correctly, being also be, celebrated for something you did. Well, also if I remember correctly, before her, her you know, Crystal Lake memory said she was dead. If I remember correctly, I think she, just like many other female stars on this series, ended up getting a stalker. Now that we've established that we don't know if she's alive or not. I do know she's alive. The controversy, the mystery continues. Even IMDb <laughs> says she is alive. Her IMDb says it has been found out she is alive and living in California. Is Susan Sullivan on the, the 0.001% chance that you hear this? She is not going to hear this. <laughs> just come on and do an interview because the thing is... All the fans basically just want to give you props and celebrate you. It's not a negative thing. You'll, you'll be celebrated, and it'll be all good. So, Well, how about we cut now to Russell's death? Who is Russell? <laughs> the problem with this movie is a lot of us. Who is this person? Why? These are all nameless characters. Was it, wasn't Russell one of the characters I actually named at the beginning of this? <laughs> oh, that's right. I do remember Russell. Russell is kind of the nerdy guy whose uncle actually owns this cabin they go to. Oh, okay. And and uh, so Russell gets an axe kill with a axe struck straight in his face. Yeah, this scene was very poorly done. That's besides the point. We get another axe kill. I get your point. He lo- he loves the axe. And I mean, in the next movie, he has another axe, ki- two axe kills. Hey, look, he's <laughs> he's handy with the axe. And uh, then we get Sandra's death in the water. In the water, she gets drowned. Yeah, but I didn't like the death scene. It was pretty plain Jane. Well, I mean, don't the, worry. Soon, soon we won't get plain Jane. The other water deaths in the series are way better than this one. So either way, um, so Melissa tries to get Nick to fall for her by make, trying to make him jealous. That only works if the guy has somewhat of an attraction to you, and Nick does not. He might, but the thing is, he's clearly fallen for young telekinetic Tina. They didn't actually like each other in real life. They had big problems with each other. I think they're okay now, but um, you can see the scenes that there's not a lot of chemistry there. Let's get to the point where Mrs. Shepard listens to one of Dr. Cruz's tapes. Now, also another thing we probably should have mentioned is that Tina is seeing all these kills telepathically. Because she woke Jason up, so now she has some kind of connection to Jason. Um, okay, explain to me, because <laughs> they're really stretching the bounds of reality with her powers. They're stretching the bounds of reality with a lot of things. She is able to both see the future... Yes. And the past. 
and the past. That she hasn't seen. And, yes, and see visions of things that are happening at the same time in a different location. Lisa. Only because Jason was a part of it. I want to like Tina. I don't. But she's one of the X-Men. <laughs> and that just makes things weird. So. The doc, Dr. Cruz says he's trying... The, the, the tape that Dr. Cruz is making says he's trying to keep Tina's stress high so that way her powers come out. What is Dr. Cruz's motivation? What does he want out of all this? Uh, it's hard to tell because there's sometimes when it actually looks like he's legitimately trying to help her. But then there's others where it seems like he wants to write a book on her. I was going to say probably the blueprint is for him to make some crazy shit happen for her and then write a book about it and profit. Yeah, because, I mean, that's, o- that's only ever worked in every movie, right? Like Hall- Rob Zombie's Halloween. That worked so well for Malcolm McDonald, right? My thing is he actually, though, he sees that she has powers. He actually sees examples of her powers. And he doesn't deny she has powers. So it's like, okay, in terms of writing a book, it's like, Dude, just take out a video camera and film her. <laughs> Get the powers on tape, man. Like, like, what do you want her to do? Kill somebody? Like, I don't understand. Yes. Uh, so when Mrs. Shepard actually confronts Dr. Cruz, he says, well, it's part of her treatment. Mm. Boy, you're keeping her stress high. How's that treatment? And treatment is trying to get her to control her powers, not keep her stress high where she cannot control. And Tina overhears this and then actually leaves, drives away. Yeah. So, um... Oh, you know who we should talk about? Maddie. Poor Maddie <laughs> likes a boy at the house, but her friend who also likes the guy. So Maddie decides, hey, I'm going to have a makeover like the movie She's All That. We got 12 minutes to turn myself into the prom queen. I'm going to get a makeover, and then I'm going to go win the boy over and show my friend that, hey, you're attractive. But if I do a good makeup job, I can match your attractiveness. So, be fair, this is where I kind of have an issue with Maddie. So, I was also wrong when I thought... I got an issue know, with the whole, the whole message of this. So, I kind of... <laughs> I was kind of wrong. So, the characters that didn't know each other but ended up falling for each other is Robin and David. Yeah, but it's kind of hinted at that Robin already... Instantly, she has a crush on David, it seems. Well, that's because he's the bad boy. Because Maddie, tell Robin. Maddie asks, like, you like him? She's like, yes. But Maddie also has feelings for him. Well, that's because, again, they're both like bad boys. And something tells me Maddie likes anything Robin likes. Maddie seems like the side character for Robin's story. Yeah, but it's so funny. The messages are setting from Maddie's perspective. It's like, hey, if I can just, just, if I can just make myself better looking, I have a chance with the guy. Maybe go talk to him and let him get to know your personality. Which we'll get to that during David's death. But this is the part I have an issue with Maddie. Maddie kind of, she strikes you almost as semi-intelligent, just easily. Oh, she is. Just easily. She probably has a 4.5 GPA. Yeah, but. I don't know if that's possible. But she's easily, you know, flustered. So um, explain to me how this smart woman. She leaves, She goes up the stairs. She sees David dancing with Robin. So she goes upstairs and beautifies herself up. And then goes outside and goes, David, are you there? <laughs> wait a minute. Lady? Did, wait, I, I never understood. How does she end up outside? From she's, the upstairs. She's in the house. Upstairs. Getting the makeup job done. How does she end up? Like, it looks like she walks out the damn barn or something. Yeah, and, she she, and she's like, David, is that you? You just she starts dancing with your best friend. Yeah, why did she start watering the woods? And you know what's hilarious is that... She runs into Jason's weapon shack? Well, no, no. 
First, though, so she goes in the woods, right? A body falls down in front of her, right? She's like, oh, my God. Jace is off to the side just chilling. He's like, huh? Oh, hi. Okay, hey. <laughs> if she didn't want her off in the woods, she'd have been right. But Okay, so but I do want to say that her actual death scene, I do love this scene. The way it's done is great because she goes and hides, right? In the barn where she's pretty much trapped. Mm. Jason walks in is looking around. You only see from her perspective, right? But you clearly see when Jason sees her through the people. Jason's looking around. He's like, ah. But Jason's smart ass walks out as quietly as possible. Wait, Jason's not supposed to be smart, remember? I don't know, man. By this time, zombie Jason's like from part six on. He seems to be way, very, very cutting. He's pretty intelligent in the previous movies, too. But I don't know if I'd say intelligent, maybe. But this is next level. He's, like, tricking his victims in this movie. So when he walks back in and grabs her and kills her, this is a great scene. Which, by the way, you do know this is probably the only... There's only, like, two death scenes in this movie that's technically off-screen. And, by the way, this one was not a machete or an axe. This was, it was whatever, a sickle. A sickle thing. Yeah, but this one and Dr. Cruz's death was also technically off screen. Yeah, there's a deleted scene where they show at least Dr. Cruz's death, and but the MPA cut it out. Yeah, the MPA needs to fucking. Stop I just gotta say, shit. the growing up, I used to be on Friday Thirteenth message boards, and um, there was like a Friday Thirteenth website that had a huge message board, and even now when I read about this movie, and I read like uh, there'll be like um, stuff on Facebook where it's like. Hey, which character you wish survived? And the Maddie character, everybody's like so sympathetic towards her. She's like a popular, oh, Maddie's a nice girl. But watching the movie, I'm like, she's a horrible human being <laughs> who went about things horribly and deserved to die the way, she, the way she did. I don't know why people came away feeling like, oh, my God, I wish Maddie would have lived. So, so now we get Ben's death because they think Michael's finally come, came in. So Ben gets out of the van, you know, trying you know, to get his friend. At least once, uh, once every movie, Jason feels the need to like. He feels like I want to use my bare hands for something, man. And I just Cru- yeah, crushes Ben's head, which he could do for every death. So he actually doesn't need any weapons. But yeah, and then Kate's death, he uh, shoves the party horn right in her eye. Now again, I did like this death scene a lot. <laughs> it just looks so brutal because he just winds up and right in her eye. So Tina and Nick finally find Michael's body. Because of Tina's vision was like, well, by the way, <laughs> Tina's like, do you have a picture of him? I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess we should probably mention Tina ended up in a car accident when she tried to leave because she saw a vision of her mom being killed. Well, that's fine. But my, my question is, um, Nick's character so easily was like, yeah, I got a picture of my wallet. What? <laughs> it's well, just, of your of your uh, male cousin. You all must be close. Of, I mean... I don't have pictures uh, of, of my, my cousins. I don't have pictures of my. I don't have pictures of my family, family in my wall. Except for my wife. I know the eighties. Well, this is. I know nineteen ninety nine was a different time, but yeah, who would have a picture of their cousin in their wallet? He just pulls it down. So she's like, "Yep, he did." Did you notice Jason in the background when he goes to the front of the kitchen? That was actually a cool shot. Jason is chilling in the background when he stabs the guy. The guy makes a very weird facial expression. Yeah. Some, some of these actors are like the worst actors ever. Seriously. Well, they're in a horror movie, so... No, but in the series, there's been some decent actors. These are terrible. Oh, by the way, when he goes to kill Robin, where the hell does this cat come from? <coughs> when have we established there's a cat anywhere in the movie before this scene? Uh, who the hell is going to take care of this cat? 
No one, because everyone's going to die. It's a dead cat walking. Dead cat. Uh, it's dead probably cat. the uncle's cat. Dead cat purring. Jason going to cut him up and eat him. It's probably. Notice how Jason waits the uncle until is, the cat. The leaves. uncle leaves the 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 abandoned cabin like a just a cat in the abandoned cabin. Well, he knew his his nephew was going to come in. Take care of the cat, even though we never even heard him mention. And then when the they cat. leave, they just leave the cat there. Yes. Uncle should be back soon. This is a retarded writing. There should be no cat in this cabin, all right? You use the R word, sir. You got to edit yourself out. This is the dumbest writing ever. This cat thing is so stupid. Also, I I don't like people being thrown out the window. At least she didn't have that soft of a landing. It was still pretty soft. It was a... Is there it was a, a squishy landing. <laughs> is there a more lazy death scene than throwing someone out the window and they land on the ground? That's the most laziest. Yeah, there is. A cutaway. At least you can use your imagination for that. This is just stupid. You can use your imagination for this. Yeah, she has a broken leg. She's alive. Yeah. She's, she's, Which is fine, because she's she, the prettiest one there. She's somewhere with the girl from part four who's also alive. No, the girl from part four is dead. She landed on her car. She broke her neck. No, she didn't. She landed on her back. She, she, she did. She didn't land head first. She landed on her back. Her neck hit the hood of the car while the rest of her body went down. She got a broken neck. Don't mean she's dead. Yeah, she does. She's paralyzed. She's dead. Who's next on the death list? Eddie! Oh, wait, no. He's opening up Michael's gifts. What a dick. And how dare you open up the gifts before ahead of time? No, but then he dies because we finally get a machete kill. There we go. He's struck in the neck with a machete. I knew it was coming. That's the only machete kill we get. His head's going to be taken off, though. Yeah. But that, we're we not, we we're not shown it. that. We don't see it. I don't understand if that was what they were going to do, why they wouldn't just have this be a decapitation scene. <laughs> Stupid. Amanda's death. I really should have re rewatched this movie Amanda, so that way it doesn't feel so... Amanda Shepard? Yeah. Mrs. Shepard. Oh, he's Mrs. Shepard. Yeah, Mrs. Shepard's death. Now, her death could have easily been avoided if Dr. Cruz wasn't an asshole. Well, but since he is, we get another death for our catalog. Because they're running away together... When they take, stop and take a breather, Jason appears. She could have—he could have just pushed her out the way, but he holds her there. To be fair, they're not running away. They're trying to find Tina because they still don't know Jason's there until this scene. Fair, but the fact is, the doctor has no reason to hold her there. He could simply push her or just himself turn and run. It's just bad. She dies in a bad way. But she's dead. And because of her death, I don't like Doctor Who's anymore. He well, was, no one liked Dr. Cruz. He was okay with me until the scene. Remember, he hid evidence away from him, from Mrs. Shepard that could have made them leave earlier. I kind of like him still. <laughs> no, that's why. No, but his death scene's actually hilarious. Yeah, so now we get Dr. Cruz's death scene where he gets dismembered by a tree trimming saw. But this is what I'm talking about, Jason being so smart in this movie. You see what he did in terms of, like, he makes a loud-ass noise, he's chasing him, he turns it off so he can sneak up on him, and then turns it back on. Very sly, Jason. Very slick. And eviscerates him. Eviscerates him. No, no, no book deal for Dr. So you're, so you're ready for this? The, the most epic part of this entire movie. Jason versus Tina. This is going to be the most epic of all epic battles in the world of epicness. It, it's very rare that I say, ooh, Jason got himself into some shit. <laughs> but this scene... It's so <sighs> one-sided. I, I, the, the problem is that it's literally an immovable object meeting an indestructible force. Right. The problem is you establish the whole trope of the female protagonist in a horror movie is at the end, all her friends are gone, 
It's usually just her against the killer, and she has to overcome the odds, figure out a way to dig deep down, use her intelligence, use her survival instincts to overcome the big bad killer. Tina doesn't have to do any of that because she has a cheat code in the form of, of electricity. Her, her whole powers. <laughs> she's her, she's going to break out every power known to... Yep, so first, she electrocutes Jason. Okay, fine. Uh, since that brings him back to life, it should power him up, in my opinion. I think when he jumps up <laughs> out of the mud, he's actually supercharged. So, <laughs> right. so Jason's like, yeah, I feel better now. Yeah, I was tired. Uh, and then a house falls on Jason. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Probably wait. knocked him down a peg. Don't forget about the funniest thing was she had the, the potted plant hit him in the face, <laughs> and Eddie's head is in the potted plant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wonder if Jason, what is Jason thinking? Jason's just like, hmm, I've killed over 100 people. Who the is this? <laughs> right. And what is she doing? And why is this so hard? Seriously, this is... The part There's no that, way his brain could comprehend what's going on. So the part that's annoying me is this fight was set up because technically Jason can't die, but Tina has the power to actually fight him. And yet we get such a one-sided fight. I, I just feel sorry for Jason. Exactly. By by the middle of this whole scenario, it's it's a there's a weird dynamic where... Yes, Jason's sort of chasing her, but at every stop, she beats him up. Which and you makes, start thinking like, hey, Jason should actually retreat and run away because this is not going well for him. So what I would have done if I made a character like this is have Tina the villain and actually Jason kind of the anti-hero at the very end by killing Tina and then killing Nick. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> so... The part that annoys me is they make Tina so superpowered, but they also showed so many times she cannot control her powers. Yet that does not apply to this ending. You're I, telling I, me she somehow gained the ability to control her powers on throughout de- this ending? On, on demand, exactly. You're right. What I would have done is I would have had a classic, normal chase scene where she's scared. Jason's chasing her, have her find ways to, normal ways to escape, just human ways to escape. And then at the very, very end... When she can escape no more, then somehow she sums up the powers and does something to Jason. But her doing it, you're right, on command every step of the way, all the suspense goes away, all the horror goes away. You start feeling like, yo, I feel bad for Jason. Like, this is not a fair fight. <laughs> so what I would have done is have Tina lose control of her powers. And so kill, kill Nick. <laughs> either way, kill Nick and Melissa. But either way, have her lose control of her powers, and then her somehow, be- and then her pretty much twisting the story to her being the villain, just because she cannot control her powers, so everybody's in danger, not just Jason. I don't want to lose Melissa's death scene though. She dies in a very fun way. Well, they could axe the head, a- and he throws her across the room. They still could have done a fun thing with her, with Tina killing her instead, because that honestly would have made more more sense. Mm. I don't need Jason killing Melissa. Tina killing Melissa would have been more fun for me. Just because now you got your protagonist killing your human antagonist. I Instead think, of two antagonists killing each other. I think it would have been very confusing for the audience. No, it wouldn't. If you suddenly turn them both, Santina into a bad guy and you well, saw Jason. because she loses control of her powers. How many times have you seen that? It makes more sense than her somehow being able to control her power out of nowhere. Well, yeah, I agree. The powers <laughs> is a cheat code that we don't need, but we have. Now, look, this ending is fun, but it's not... Suspense it's scary. boring to me. It's not even fun anymore after seeing so much shit happening to Jason. Nothing happening to Nick or Tina. 
And why does this house explode? <laughs> because she sets it on fire and then somehow releases propane. But the entire house explodes? Propane can cause a big boom with fire. Wasn't the fire just like in the basement area? That's where the propane was. And that blew up. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> that, that element, that explosion was a little bit exaggerated. That's all I'm saying. But either way, and now we get our climax where Jason finally puts his hands on Tina and doesn't kill her. You he know just what? throws her and then goes after Nick. It's like, boy, I've been going after the woman that has already done so much to you. Leave the guy alone. He can't do damn thing to you. Yeah, you can save him for last because he's clearly just a normal human being. Yeah, I would go after the girl that is finally hurt. You can finally get a hold of. And she's already done so much to you that at this point, it's like, turn around and kill her first. No? Fine, have her father kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if Ghost Dad was decomposed and showed his wear and tear, he's he's literally his human self from underwater. Now her her powers, it literally can bring people back to the from the from the bring can bring people back from the dead in their original human form. Yes, she can actually make ghosts. Yes. Okay. I mean, I. Ghosts that can physically touch people. So, my thing was, I was thinking about this, and then I thought also about the idea of that hey, afterwards, wouldn't she then tell the authorities, hey, my dad is under the water. Can you get his body now? But Jason's also under the water, and Jason's not dead because we've established so many times he can't fucking die. Okay. Well, listen, (laughs) I don't want to give it away yet, but by that logic, at the beginning of part eight, when they cut to Jason in the water, it better be him with the dad's body right next to Jason because clearly you're saying they were both together underwater. That is the way it's supposed to be. Okay. So um, anyway, let's get our categories so we can stop talking about the shitty-ass movie. I'm down for that. Okay. Best character. Melissa. Melissa. I've said so many mean things about her, but that's because the actress did such an amazing job, especially compared to the rest of this cast. That I cannot but give it to Melissa. I, I'm conflicted, actually, because I want to say Melissa or Dr. Cruz, because I feel like the two villains of the movie are the only ones who actually have very clearly defined characters, and they get chances to actually do something with their roles. 9% of the characters are just lame, undefined, paper people, basically. They're not real characters. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Melissa, though, because you're right. She has like, she actually has like three or four scenes in the entire movie, but she clearly leaves a an impression. Um, an impression because when she does die, it's actually hilarious, and the audience is like, "Yeah!" We made an agreement a long time ago not to give Jason best actor of character. Well, yeah, because it'd be too easy. It's like Freddy and Nightmare. You can't give you do it to Freddy give it to Freddy every movie then. So no, except for the remake, because Jack Arrow Haley was the only good actor. Worst character. <laughs> Ooh. Is it, uh, can I say the cast? Oh, man. Like the whole cast? It's very tempting, but no. All the cast, but the cast, and nothing but the cast? That's against the rules. Fuck! Gotta narrow it Tina. down. Okay. Just because she's honest, she's a boring character, you'd think with this kind of character, she'd have a little bit more life to her. But and then uh, they kind of kill the character by saying she has control of her powers at the very end when she needs it. 
versus being able to control powers throughout the whole damn movie. Fuck you. Know, you. <laughs> you know, um, I read an interview with Kane Hodder once where he was like, uh, this was in the Crystal Lake Memories book, and they were talking about part seven, and Kane Hodder was like, you know, from my personal opinion, I think that if the fans could bring back one character to fight Jason, it'd be Tina. No! And I, I was so, like, Kane Hodder, like, you don't know the fans at all. Like, there's no way if you think about, like, Jimmy and all the other characters that they'd be like, bring back Tina! Tina is, she's, look, she's telekinetic. She's the only there's, one who can physically fight him. That's the only character trait they gave her. There's <laughs> nothing else I know about her. There's nothing else about her at all other than her being telekinetic and her being having sad face throughout the whole movie. Right. I mean, they, they, they stopped at that for a character and <laughs> developed more. And then, again, it's just hard to be scared for or sympathize with her when she's literally an X-Men and more powerful than Jason. Fair. So best scene. Um, I'm going to have to go with Dr. Cruz's death. Even though it was technically off screen, it was, it was just completely random seeing Jason coming out with a tree trimming saw. It was just, I when was he like, came out, he came out. It was such a fun. He came out like, ha! It's like, ha, bitch! Uh, he looked so proud of himself well, when he walked out with how, that. How did Dave Chappelle say it? Gotcha, bitch! Yeah. <laughs> he was so proud when he walked out with that. And Dr. Cruz was like, oh I got a new toy! Yeah, it was so fun. But um, I still like Maddie's death scene because I like the setup and the payoff. I, I don't know why she was where she was after the makeup. It so didn't make any sense. But... Heard the barn, looking at the see-through of the people. No, I got it. Tina lost control of her powers for a second and teleported her to that barn. That must be it. That's the only thing that makes sense. Yep. Okay, so now that we've cleared up that mystery. Hey, do you think that somehow in Jason's battle with Tina, he picked up one specific important power from her, which is the ability to... Teleport? Because it's there in part eight, but I don't know if it's really here in part seven. Maybe, but I don't know. I, I didn't. Not as much. He he's walking through the woods. He knows his way through the woods, but never. And really... also, Tina never teleported. Yeah, but she can do everything. But then again, he did get electrically charged so much that maybe he's not really teleporting, but he's using electricity to move around like in West Craven's Shocker. There you go. I'm always down for a Shocker reference. Yep, let's do it. Um, Don't ask me to make another because it's been so long since I've seen that movie. <laughs> Is there something you would change? We didn't talk about our worst scenes yet. Oh, yeah, okay. Worst scene. The movie. Okay, fine. The climax. The whole thing between Jason and Tina because it was so boring, one-sided. I fell asleep twice. I actually had to rewind this movie and then fell asleep again. That tells you <laughs> something. <laughs> I'm going to say the opening scene because <laughs> I can't get over Tina killing her dad and focusing so hard on killing him. And in the same facial expression, be like, no, daddy, no. Like, how do you regret that instantly if you just focus so hard on killing him? I didn't like that. Because she lost control of her powers. That's it. That's why it still annoys me at the end how she has full control when she never practiced. I have to admit, even though I do feel the ending is stupid, I was entertained and I was entertained during that whole sequence. But I, I wasn't. The problem is. I, it was the wrong kind of entertainment. <laughs> it was like, this is not really appropriate for a Jason movie. It was a different kind of entertainment. So now what would you like to change? I've already talked about mine by turning Tina into an uncontrollable mess of a human being. And have her kill everybody except Jason. Jason finally gives her that final stab that 
puts her down, so he turns into kind yeah, of a well, sympathetic villain. Well, there's two things, and the one thing, the first thing is, if I'm going to bring the father back and make him more decomposed, uh, a hero at the end, and also if I'm going to have her feel sorry for everything, I'm going to have him be much more likable and innocent at the beginning when she kills him. Or maybe show clips of different things that her, he's done with the daughter. Have her talk with their therapist about the movie and just drop a line of her saying, you know, he really was a great father. He just sometimes, something that humanizes him and makes us feel sympathetic and understand her regret. Me personally, I probably would have thrown in a few scenes here and there throughout showing him as the father yeah. and maybe showing him as a loving husband minus when he was drinking. Because yeah. we see that part. We just don't see him as a loving husband or a loving father. With the path they did go down, since they stuck with that path, I would take him out of the ending completely. Just, she has all those powers. She also needs her dead father to come back to life to help her. Remember, all ladies need My their goodness. daddy. She's really stacking the deck against Jason, literally. Yeah. All right, so final thoughts. Fuck this movie. <laughs> the, the kills up to the very opening kills were very, were pretty boring, pretty tame, and then the endings when they finally ramp up. So I'll give it that. The acting was terrible. Tina was a poor excuse for a hero. Kane Hodder, as his first time as Jason, actually did a pretty good job, mainly because he was a stuntman originally and got his ass handed to him. That was another thing that just ticked me off. Again, this whole movie was, what do you get when you meet an immovable object versus an unstoppable force? Apparently, that immovable object fucking dies. By daddy. Yes. Not even by the indestructible force, but it's by daddy. What does that make daddy? They make the whole storyline of why Tina's there not important because we never even see the father. Minus that opening scene, so you automatically hate him, so now you have no idea why Tina even loves her dad. And then Nick being shoehorned in there, I mean, that's just an abomination to my name. How dare you, movie? Never use my name in that likeness ever again. So for that, I'm going to give this movie a one. There's still some enjoyment to be had, mainly with the kills. The endings really killed it for me, though. You can watch the kills and then skip the ending. Have fun. One star. Wow. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I did not hate this movie. Not the way that you apparently hate the movie. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing. I, I, I can just repeat everything you said because I do feel the same way about everything you said pretty much. But I do think there's enough fun moments. It's, it's one of those movies where it's like, there's a lot about it that I hate. I, I hate the idea that the characters are, are not likable. These are the most wooden stock characters. My biggest problem with the movie, I think, is the characters. I think the makeup effects are done really well. Jason himself looks amazing. It's a great version of Jason. And then I, I don't know about this whole Carrie storyline. I mean, Tina is an indestructible monster herself, so I don't know. That said, I'll be honest. There are some fun moments... I don't think it's the worst movie in the series. I think it's better than New Beginning easily. Well, that's why I gave this one a 1 and not a point five. Like I gave New Beginning. Well, that's true. You did give it a step up. I'm going to go one and a half. <laughs> I don't want to be too generous. I mean, there's something about this movie I don't like. I don't like how it's filmed. The filmography looks really low budget and up the highway. I don't understand why Part 6 looks like a newer movie 
And this was came out after that, and looks like an older movie. I don't understand. What was the budget? Was the budget bigger or smaller than the previous? I think by this time they were all coming in in that kind of one million, two million, three million range. So it was like basically, but each movie is a different director who some of them can do more with their budget, some of them can't do more with their budget. This one definitely, and, and I also understand why the tone was so serious again. Part six kind of established, hey, we can do fun <laughs> things if you make the tone a little bit comedic. But this went back to being serious with no humor in my opinion and I just don't think that's the right vibe for a zombie Jason movie well as always you don't have to go home but you do gotta get on that cruise cause you're about to miss your high school reunion well enjoy y'all's cruise we'll see you next week